Welcome to another edition of the Purple Knights podcast. Um, today I'm here with comic and musician Phil Johnson. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm always down to talk to a, another Johnson, and I'm always down to talk about some prints. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I should mention right off the top that uh, we got connected through a great service, podcastguest.com. Sure, so I want to give them a shout out. Uh, thank you for getting us together. And I also booked another guest in the future through them. So they're a valuable website, uh, podcastguest.com. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to, I know you're a, you're a stand-up comic and uh, I checked out a, a few uh, clips on Facebook live um, the other day when we uh, confirmed our, confirmed our interview. So nice. uh, very, very great stuff. And I know you, you're a musician as well. So you incorporate music in your act as well and your your songs are very funny as well thanks um, and the band is called roadside attraction right yep that's it yeah so uh, these days i perform under phil johnson and roadside attraction uh, okay they perform both both with the band sometimes mostly solo these days so uh, i gotta keep all the names in play it's a little okay. bit of juggling there but uh yeah comedy and music and uh and yeah so you were watching i do a live stream uh, every tuesday at twelve thirty where I uh, hang out for an hour and play some stupid songs and do some jibber jabber and uh, make people happy. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. And you're uh, based in California. Are you close to the Bay Area or where exactly am, are you at? I am dead center in the Bay Area, man. Well, I wouldn't say dead center, but I'm in San Jose. So I'm in the depths of Silicon Valley where uh, uh, Google and eBay and Apple are my neighbors. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds cool. Um, it's all right. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. very expensive um so first of all why don't you tell us about your uh your stand-up comedy career and how that'll all started out and then we'll uh we'll work prints into things a little later for sure for sure uh so the uh, i started as a musician i uh, i have a degree in jazz from san jose state uh, I, I've been, I played classical music since I was eight, uh, played, started with the flute, picked up the piano, picked up guitar when I was about 16, uh, started a band, uh, when I was, um, gosh, I don't know, 19 or 20, something like that, that turned into roadside attraction eventually. And, uh, and the, so I'd been doing music, 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 music. Uh, and then in, I don't know, 2003 or 2004, something like that. I had, uh, I had written a couple of funny songs that I thought were just kind of like, oh, there'll be B-sides, something like that. And I, pl I played them for some uh, other musicians at a music conference in Las Vegas that uh, my mentor was putting on that year. And we were just hanging out around the, the hotel pool playing songs for each other. And I played a song called Whale Blubber, which is a love song. And uh, the, the next morning, everybody was like, oh, that, you, that Whale Blubber song, we can't get that stupid Whale Blubber song out of our head. That's what you should be doing. You should be doing the funny stuff. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's B-side material. You know, I'm a serious, I'm a serious artist. And um, they were like, no, seriously, that's what you should be doing. And so I had a couple of funny songs. I got invited to play at a comedy music specific show in San Francisco at a place called the Hyena Theater that doesn't exist anymore. And the MC that night uh, was a lady named Lynn Ruth Miller, 
who uh, at the time, I want to say was 72, 73 years old and just starting her own comedy career. And she said, I need a guitarist for my act. Uh, we're going to do a thing where you play Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols and I throw a lingerie at the audience. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. And, uh, and it was hilarious. It was great. And uh, so she started taking me around to some of the local comedy gigs and, and then would go, hey, he's got some material. Why don't you put him up for a few minutes? And then they would start putting me up. And then the whole thing just snowballed. Eventually, I, I decided if I was going to do this, I should learn how to do stand-up as well. And so I started diving into the world of comedy and stand-up. And that's been 16 years now. And it opened up a whole wide world of new opportunities for me that's been really, really, really fantastic all the way through. But, um, yeah, that's that's where the comedy thing was an accident. <laughs> wow. It's funny. It's funny how serendipitous things like that work. Yeah, yeah all the time for a lot of different people. So, yep. yeah, and I didn't realize you were a multi-instrumentalist, so that kind of ties into the Prince connection as well. Very um, much so. That's Very, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it. So behind me, you can see I got drums and a bass and keys, and my guitars are around me here. And uh, I started off playing the flute when I was eight. Uh, and uh, because my mother said, my mom said, do you want to take music lessons? And I said, yeah, I don't know, maybe. And she said, girls like musicians. And I was like, sign me up. Good. Okay. And uh, she said, what instrument do you want to play? And I was like, eh, I don't know. You know, they were offering, like it was the elementary school. They were offering woodwinds and some violin or whatever. I said, I don't, I don't know. And she said, well, look, if you play the flute, you'll always be the only boy in the section. And I was like, cool. That sounds like a deal. So I started playing the flute and I was always the only guy flute player all the way through college in the uh, in the orchestra i never dated another flautist which was funny but i did meet my best friend dave in the uh, clarinet section next door so <laughs> i got that out of it but yeah so i uh, uh flute when i was eight picked up piano when i was uh, 12 i think picked up guitar when i was 16 and once you do that then it's it's easier to pick up other stuff i've got a mandolin sitting up there i've got a banjo on the wall i've got some bass you know and so it's easy to start picking up other uh, instruments because it becomes just a thing of learning the technique less so than learning the musicality of it because you've already got that you know right right so one question that occurred to me to ask you right now is um, are you sort of like Prince in the sense that music is going on in your head all the time or yes. is it just can you turn it on and turn it off like a switch or what is it uh, like for you yeah, it's no, there's always music going on in my head. I was we were I was sitting on the couch with my girlfriend the other night. We were just watching TV and I was just like tapping, you know, I'm always tapping, creating little beats in my head and things like that. And she was just like, yep. stop it, please, please just stop it. And I was like, oh, OK, sorry. Yeah, there's always music going on in my head it, when I'm watching a movie or watching TV. I'm listening to the soundtrack to hear what the what is going on there when you have. Uh, sort of dedicated your life to music like I have or like Prince had. Uh, it's it's constantly there uh, to the point where sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes I'm just trying to go to sleep and I'm like, why is, you know, George Michael's faith stuck in my head right now? I don't need that right now, you know? And, uh, and I only bring that because I did a joke about it the other night in my show. But it's, since I did that joke, that song has been stuck in my head for the last three days, you know? And I'm like, I'm trying to work on my own stuff. But... Um, so it is constantly there. My girlfriend was a musician as well, and she retired, and uh, she quit doing it. And I said, what's it like being a civilian again? And she was like, well, 
I'm not always listening to things looking for ideas anymore. I can just listen to music. And I was like, oh, wow, that must be that must be amazing. <laughs> right. Right. Because I'm, I'm sure you know this, but Prince said numerous times in, in various interviews, he said that the way his mind worked was both a blessing and a curse because sure. it's a blessing because, you know, you obviously have that creative flow and you can tap into it any time. But then again, it's like a curse to where you're, you know, like you said, you're always, always thinking and always alert to soundtracks and, and beats and all that stuff. And it, right. it sort of, you know, takes over you to the point where you can't sleep yeah. and uh, you can't quiet your mind like you should be able to. So, yeah. Yeah. And definitely well known for not sleeping a lot, you know, yes, I tried exactly. To, I really, I really try to get enough sleep, but I was, you know, I was thinking about him the other day. I was, I was listening to some stuff and I was like, cause his, his band members and his musicians, they always talk about, Oh, Prince called me at four o'clock in the morning to tell me to come down to Paisley and start recording. And I was like, I want to know what the process looked like at three o'clock that hour before he called them. That's, yep. that's where I'd like to be a fly on the wall to see what he was doing then, you know, because I know what my early, you know, parts of sitting down to work on a song are, and I imagine they're completely different. Uh, I'm not nearly as prolific as Prince. I don't think anybody is, <laughs> is as prolific as Prince was. Right. I mean, just right. so much, so much stuff. Uh, but I always wanted to know, I'm like, yeah, they call, okay, he called them at four o'clock in the morning to come in and record a drum groove. But I want to know what was going on in that hour before, what that studio looked like in that hour before as he was just sitting there just pounding out lyrics or, or grooves or whatever it was um, because I find that fascinating. Um, for me, I have to be very um, directed in my creative work. I, I get up at the same time every morning. I get into my creative work about 8 o'clock, and I finish the creative work at 12 or 12.30, and then I have to do business stuff in the afternoon because you don't get to just be creative all the time, which would be nice, but there's business stuff that has to be attended to in this industry as well. And so I have to split it up. So I have to do my creative time in those hours each day um, so that I can just stay focused on it and not have to worry about all the other things that are you know going on and all that kind of stuff. So I always admired that he was able to have that much creative time and have people around him that allowed him to be that creative and that prolific on a regular basis it just amazes me yeah it's it's funny that you talk about creative time because as you were talking about that it kind of uh went off like a light bulb in my head i don't know if you're familiar with um there's an author and he's a he's an official archivist for the prince estate right now but he's also an author an ex-documentarian and actually an ex-stand-up comedian as well. His name is Dwayne Tudal, and he's a good friend of mine. Oh, I nice. I know, the, uh, I know the name. I've heard him on interviews and such. I've, yeah. I've had him on, on my podcast twice now, and nice. he uh, he's come out with two books on Prince's studio sessions, and it's basically a day-by-day -day breakdown of his time in the studio nice. and recording, and um, supplemented with interviews from band members and, and, you know, various collaborators and engineers. So if you haven't checked those out, there's, there's two books. There's the Purple Rain Era Studio Sessions, 83 and 84. Mm -hmm. And then the one that just recently came out was 
the uh, Parade and Son of the Times era studio sessions, 85 okay. and 86. Oh, uh, that sounds like super good, like like way super nerdy geek stuff. I'm down. Yeah, like yeah, music yeah, nerd I, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna I was gonna ask you if you're a, kind of a music nerd like I am because oh, those those are basically, and people have said it in kind of a jokey way, but it's really it's really uh, more serious than a joke. But um, people have said that those are basically like the Prince Bibles. Of in terms of <laughs> books, you know, in terms of documenting and studio work, really, really fascinating stuff. Especially the the last one because he was so prolific in '85 and '86. It's a 700-page book uh-huh. of of wow. stuff that he did just oh, in those two years. So insane. it's just insane. So if, yeah. if you're into that stuff, I would definitely suggest you check out those books. Oh, I definitely by, uh, will. By Dwayne. I will. I definitely though. It's funny because, uh, I mean, just to, to, to as a collective of people to remember all the, the, the details of that kind of stuff, some of that, a lot of that stuff floats away. But even as somebody who, you know, does that on a much smaller level myself, and it's it's like so much of the process is boring, just boring, where, you know, because we always hear, uh, for social media, oh, we're, you know, post videos of yourself working in the studio. It's like, who would want to, that's me hunched over a laptop going, doing this and, you know, cutting and pasting and tweaking right. tracks and pushing right. the thing. And it's like, who would want to see that? But then when we're on the other side of that, I'm like, absolutely, I want to see that, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So it's it's very fascinating stuff. And it's it's very, it it's such a big, huge contrast. Um, contribution to his legacy because mm-hmm. like you say it's the stuff that we don't see that yeah. we're not that we're not privy to you know an art an artist in his creative environment you know so yeah yeah it's very very cool stuff but yeah, yeah i will definitely look for those for that time um as far as as far as prince i mean can you tell me a little bit about your history as a fan, I mean, how you discovered them, you know, what your favorite sure. eras are and albums and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I came at it, it sort of, in sort of a weird way. Uh, I think, you know, I mean, he sort of hit mainstream consciousness with Purple Rain. It was a little bit before that, you know, that, that it was popping. But uh, at the, when Purple Rain came out, it was 84, I think, right? And I yep. was um, I was 11 at the time. I was a little bit young for it. And I didn't get it. Uh, my brother was three years younger than me, still is, but was then. And uh, we just we didn't get it. It wasn't our thing. We were listening to. It was um, it was a little weird uh, because you know I think the first single or at least the first single we heard was "When Doves Cry," and I was like, "What is what is this? What is going on? This is bizarre." Because I'd been listening to whatever was on the radio. It was you know Madonna and Ario Speedwagon and you know things like that. And uh, I, I, you know, had very pedestrian taste in music at 11 years old, as every 11-year-old does. And so I didn't get Prince at all. I didn't understand it. Uh, we made jokes about how bad we thought it was. Uh, we were not into it at all. And then uh, I missed everything after that until Sign of the Times in 87. Was there anything? There was something in between, wasn't there? Yeah, there was Parade. Parade, yes. Okay, so I missed Parade, although I was vaguely aware of it because my cousins were listening to it. Um, but I was kind of out of the loop until Sign of the Times came out. And for some reason, 
I got that album as a Christmas gift that year. And I don't know why, because I don't remember having asked for it or anything. I might have heard the title track on the radio or something like that, but I don't remember asking for it. Uh, but I received it as a Christmas gift, and I put it on, and those three years, my brain had expanded a bit, and I was blown away, just absolutely dumbfounded at the stuff on this album. It's got a very different sound than Purple Rain does, or Parade for that matter. It's got a much darker, sort of earthier, organic tone to the the, the mixes and the, the, the arrangements of it. And yep. for some reason, that that just plowed right straight through my brain. And I was like, what, what, how, what, you know? And uh, so I really, really, that is my, that's my starter album. And in fact, people now who I talk to, if they've gone, if they go, you know, I just, I never really had time to get into his stuff. I go, okay, start with Sign of the Times. Don't start with the Sign of the Times box set because you don't have an entire work day to, <laughs> to right. learn about friends right now. Start with the regular album, you know, the regular double album. But that was that was really it for me. That was the start. And then uh, I kind of fell out of it again after that um, because I wasn't really good. I was also at that point getting into my metal years as a teenager. So I was deep into Metallica and Slayer and Exodus and Testament and a lot of the, the hair metal bands and Poison and Motley Crue and that kind of thing. I have this for a reason. You know, it, come, it comes from then. And so... Um, I had kind of gotten away from anything that wasn't that for a while. And then, right. And then at one point, um, must've been 93, early nineties somewhere. My girlfriend and I, uh, we used to go to Walgreens. This is, we were, we were broke young 20 somethings. And so we would go to Walgreens on a Saturday night and we'd surf the cutout bin of cassettes and uh you know because they had the cutout band of cassettes and cds at, at the walgreens and yep. that's what we would do on a saturday night we just find all these albums that we didn't know were out there bands we didn't know exist and we're like oh look there's a band called the sleazebees let's go check these guys out and i found a i think it was a cd copy of chaos and disorder and uh which i know not one of prince's favorite albums of his own uh, right. but i put it on and i was like oh listen to this there's so much guitar on here and that's what really excited me about that album. I was like, these songs are really, really cool and different, but there's also a whole bunch of guitar stuff on there. And I was, you know, that was, I was, that was my tunnel vision then was guitar stuff. Uh, and so Chaos and Disorder brought me back into the fold. And then from there it was, you know, okay, now I have to go listen to everything because I have these sort of two reference points that are very different from one another. Uh, and, uh, and, and now I got to go find everything else. So that's when I started diving into all the 90s stuff, the diamonds and pearls and the, the gold experience and you know all that kind of thing and uh so sign of the times uh chaos and disorder and then the gold experience was my third real checkpoint that i was after that i was like okay i'm, I'm, I'm in for the long run on this that's i love 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 that album so much nice nice yeah the the uh there's ebbs and flows in any musician's career you know naturally but sure the the heyday you know, being a hardcore fan, I know all this stuff, but his heyday was basically from 1980, roughly from 1980 to 88, is pretty much mm. seen as the golden period. Sure. And then, and then the, the second sort of renaissance period for Prince was 93 to 95. So it's interesting, all your, your, stuff that you're talking about falls into those two periods so for sure yeah definitely and i think it's and, and a lot of people that i talk to they have no idea that a lot of that 90s stuff even exists 
you know, like right. I'll, I'll go, oh, Gold Experience, and they're like, I've never, I don't know what that album is, you know, and that's right. one that I'll turn people on to. I always forget to tell them that Pussy Control's the first track. They always go, well, I was okay, I wasn't expecting that first track, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, so a lot of people, you know, they don't even know that stuff is there, let alone some of the albums that you know never came out in the U.S. or things like that, uh, and uh, so there's, I've talked to people who either they knew Purple Rain and that was it. Or they just didn't have time to get into it. Um, I have a lot of uh, students who aren't from the U.S. originally. I'm a music teacher as well. And, uh, and so I will – obviously, I bring up Prince at some point during those lessons. And they're like, oh, I don't really know that much about Prince. And I'm like, okay, here's a track list. Go listen to this stuff and because it's going to be valuable to you. you know, I've, There's very few people I've ever met who just flat out say, no, I don't like Prince. And the very few that I've met that have said that are, are people that I don't trust – about anything <laughs> right right, right you exactly not, you are not a trustworthy individual even if it's not for you at that point in your life you you can't say that it's bad music you know and i have run into people where they go no it's just bad music i'm like no no that's just not possible yeah you know yeah i mean prince was so eclectic and so diverse that he's literally created music for everyone right every Every genre, every taste, you know. Yeah. Um, there's there's a Prince song out there for everyone. So yeah, yeah there, there's a there's actually a meme out there floating around, and I don't know exactly what it says, but it's the gist of it is that if you don't like Prince, I don't trust you or something like that. So <laughs> exactly exactly what you're saying. Yeah, there's yeah. a meme out there. Yeah, that's it's um, true. Because, I, I mean, even that, that eclecticism of, of his work has been a guiding light in my own work, you know, because early coming up early in, in playing music, the industry always goes, find your sound and stay with it. That's your sound. You know, like, uh, you know, it's not a, a well-known story, but Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, everybody knows his Nine Inch Nails work. Nobody realizes that when Nine Inch Nails got signed, he had eight other bands, bands. They were mostly him, recording projects that were all vastly different. He was in a pop band. He had a, a rock project. He had, you know, he had all these different sounds that he was working on, and Nine Inch Nails is the one that stuck, and that's why there's Nine Inch Nails, and he never broke out of that. And you hear other bands like Metallica has a really hard time breaking out of their sound. From the very beginning, my songwriting style was I'm going to write a bunch of different stuff, and it may not be for everybody every time, but I'm going to collect all these people who do like that a type of eclectic mix of stuff because that's what I like in people that I listen to uh, is, is you know, somebody that's not afraid to experiment and do some different stuff and play around a little bit. I just listened to the Foo Fighters disco record yesterday. They did a whole disco album of Bee Gees covers, and I was like, I'm not even that big a Foo Fighters fan, but I was like, okay, I'm going to find out what they're doing. <laughs> Why? Why did you do this? You know, and, uh, and it was entertaining, you know. So I like artists that will – will play around they'll go i'm gonna do something completely weird and different you know uh and has an, and built i built an audience that expects me to do that if i did the same thing all the time they would be disappointed in me and so now i have that 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 you know allowance in my career to go well this one's a dixieland jazz song and they're gonna go all right i'll put on a straw boater straw boater hat and we'll we'll do it up you know <laughs> and uh, and just play around but that was because of listening to prince over the years and going well if prince can do 
jazz and funk and R&B and soul and rock and whatever else, then I want to be able to do that too, you know? And that was, he developed an audience that he expected him to do that. And that was, that was the same road I wanted to go down. Right. Right. Very, very cool. And I wanted to ask you once, once this pandemic thing blows over, which we know, we all know it's taking a sweet time right now, but Mm -hmm. um, once this pandemic thing blows over, well, first, before I get into that, I want to say, most of your stuff has been online lately with the with the live streams on Tuesdays and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's on your Facebook page, which is I'll have a link to that in the in the uh, description. I'm putting this on YouTube and also Great. I'll put the audio on blogtalkradio.com and Apple Podcasts and iTunes and stuff like that. Nice. So yeah, and that Tuesday live stream uh, goes out to uh, Facebook, YouTube twitch uh and instagram so i, I send okay. all those places yeah but I've been okay doing, yeah, so I would, there's been lots of zoom shows uh and things like that over the last year i am getting back to live gigs now uh i've done under seven or eight shows over the last couple of weeks and um yeah so it's it's exciting to get back finally in front of some live audiences i've got a brand new show that uh that i wrote over the last year and a half that i'm taking out and uh, that's not chock full of pandemic material. It's <laughs> unlike, a, you know, it's going to be interesting to see everybody's comedy specials over the next six months where everybody's going to have a quarantine, you know, chunk in their act. And I tried to avoid all that. So I got a brand new show that I'm taking on the road uh, full of music and stand up and all sorts of stuff. But That's yeah. that's awesome. Do you do you mainly stay on the West Coast then or do you um, do you branch out, you know, because I'm I'm in I'm in. Uh, minnesota you know prince's homeland i was born mm-hmm. and and largely raised here so i'm, I'm yeah thinking... i work all over, i work all over the country yeah, yeah. I'm... Uh, right now i'm i'm mostly in california as as things start to open up and the booking landscape is is a disaster right now because everybody's working on getting their makeup dates that were canceled last year we've got big names that are playing small venues and kind of squeezing everybody else out and things like that but uh i'm going to be in illinois at the end of august for a, a couple of dates doing four shows out there um and then i'm just you know slowly getting back out there but yeah so mostly oh wow very right cool now. Yeah, but yeah. I do I do travel all over. I've played Paris, I've played London, I've played uh, yeah, so Oh wow, that's Vancouver, yeah. That's wonderful. I was you know, being being from Minnesota and, and being a little selfish here, I was going to ask about <laughs> if you had plans, you know, in the future to visit Minneapolis, but uh For sure. Yeah, I love Minneapolis. It's a really really fun town. Um I do uh do you know where Shakopee is? I usually play Shakopee. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, once a year, they've got there's a little comedy venue out there. It's in the basement of a restaurant, and they do a weekend of show. Uh, so yeah, I usually get out there at, at least once a year uh, to play that area. I really like Minneapolis a lot. Um, it, the the I don't know if it was the I don't think no the last time you know the last time I was out there was uh, when that polar vortex came through. Haha. Oh uh, nice. And, uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, I spent I had an Airbnb uh, in Minneapolis uh, that was fortunately very comfortable nice and warm and i had planned on going out and doing sets and doing shows every night that i was there and i was like i am not leaving i'm not leaving this airbnb and uh and so i ended up i did sh- i did the shows i had booked but man i spent like four days just in the this airbnb and didn't leave yeah uh, for california i'm pretty good in cold for a california boy but that was really pushing it for me yeah <laughs> yeah you re- i have i'm half norwegian and half german so i have that 
you know, that Viking blood, you know. You got the, the cold genes, yeah. <laughs> that helps with the cold, definitely. So, yeah. Um, and I was, to piggyback off my last question, I was going to ask, have you ever visited any of the uh, any of the Prince spots in Minneapolis, like Paisley yeah. Park? or? Yeah, I have. It was uh, not my last trip out there because it was too cold, but the trip before that that I made out there. Um, I, uh, I did go, I went to do, I went to Paisley and I took their tour and this was maybe, I wanna, it was like three or four months after he passed. It was pretty, it was pretty fresh still, maybe six months. Uh, yep. and, and they had just put his ashes in the atrium, like everything. It was really fresh. And, um, I took the tour and it was like, uh, it, it was, uh, it, I mean, it, I didn't cry. Uh, I was very proud of myself that I didn't cry, but it was it was a close call. You know, the the tour itself, I I didn't think the tour that itself was that great. It felt like, especially at that time, it's hardcore fans that are that are going there. You know, right, right, right. That, that first six months right there, that's it's hardcore yep. fans. And yep. the tour, at least the information on the tour, I felt was very surface and very scripted. Uh, and it's the people that are running. Um, Graceland, it's the same people running Paisley Park, Park now. Um, and our tour guide seemed nice enough, but it seemed like we could have probably given more information about the place than she did, and we'd never been there before, you know? Right. Um, although somebody asked her what her favorite print song was, and she said Morning Papers. And I was like, okay, that's a deep enough cut where she is obviously a Prince fan. And so she's probably having to just stick to this script that she's been given re more so than, you know, dive deep. But it was uh, it was exciting to be there. I had never been a, I had been there once before, but only because I drove into the parking lot and took pictures of the place and freaked out like a fangirl, uh, and uh, and then went and drove off because it was it was still active then. Uh, that had been you know two or three years before that, and uh, I was just I, I remember calling my girlfriend going I'm in the Paisley Park parking lot I'm in the Paisley Park and she's like send me a picture send me and I sent her a picture she goes, it's just a white building I'm like yes <laughs> it's Paisley Park you know. And yeah, I, don't, I, I just pulled in. You know, I didn't go inside or anything, and I had never been to any of the NPG Music Club events. I had never been because I'm not there, you know. Right, uh, and, right. Uh, so I had missed all that stuff. So it was very exciting to go to Paisley. It's just not the circumstances I wanted to go to Paisley under. Right. Know? Um. So it was good, and then so I after the tour, I uh, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to just go back to my hotel room and work. You know, I, I, I want and so I, I looked online for a list of Prince landmarks around Minneapolis. And took myself on a, a Prince tour of Minneapolis, and so I went to, I went to, uh, um, you know, Electric Fetus Records, and I went to the Purple Rain House, and I went to, you know, I, every landmark I could find that was within a short driving distance. I went. That's what I spent my day doing, and then I went and did my show in Shakopee that night. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Isn't it awesome to see those places? I mean, it's very surreal, and yeah. very, uh, very, uh, very different. But it's like you feel the. You feel the energy. I don't know if you're yeah. that type of person to where you. I'm kind of a metaphysical, kind of halfway hippie type guy, but <laughs> um, I'm I'm very big into energy and all that. And, uh, uh -huh. You know those places. You feel the energy and you feel the you feel the essence of his presence there when you're there. At least for me, I don't know. I can't speak for others, but. It's just for me, so. It was, it was just for me. It was just being connected to the creative process of of what he was right. doing. Right. Exactly. So you, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's really great, and I want to let you know because 
it sounds like you didn't know, but a few years ago, I don't know exactly how long ago it was, but Graceland actually turned control over to the oh. Prince Estate. So okay. they're they're doing a lot better with the tours and the, the oh, information good. and all that stuff and they, they update exhibits and stuff constantly. Okay. So the next time you're out this way, yes. I would definitely suggest going on the tour again. Oh good. I'm so because, glad to hear that. Yeah. Because it's it's vastly improved in my opinion. So oh, good, I would good. definitely suggest you give it another shot because yeah, I was there like um maybe a month after the after it reopened as a museum. Uh-huh. And I totally get what you're saying about the you know, the tour guides being totally disconnected to the to the information and yeah all that stuff and it was very very disappointing but it's gotten better by leaps and bounds so oh good i'm so glad to hear that yeah i would definitely i would definitely suggest yeah yeah, i would definitely suggest that you revisit it when you're out in this area so yeah i was going to anyway but now now i have a good reason to do it yeah (laughs) yeah definitely and i i definitely want to come see your show because you're you're a hilarious guy. There's oh, a you. there's a clip on Facebook Live that I saw when I first brought it up, and I couldn't find the the uh, the the clip again, and it really upset me because I wanted to show my sister. I'm staying with my sister right now. We're uh-huh. um, my I have cerebral palsy, and I'm in a wheelchair, and my mom is my caregiver, and we're uh, between houses right now, so we're mm. we're staying with my sister right now. So I wanted to show my sister this uh, skit that you did about the name John, and you were oh, saying yeah. you were saying that throughout history there have been many Johns. You know, there have been there's been uh, John the Baptist, John the toilet, yeah. John the <laughs> prostitution customer, um, you know, John the dead body. Yeah, and I just, you know, I I cracked up at that, so I thought it was hilarious, and I <laughs> I searched and searched for the clip again, but couldn't find it because I was gonna. Oh, I will send it to you. I will send it to you. That's actually from uh, that's from my my uh, latest comedy special called Burning Sensation that I just put out. Yes, yes, yeah. But great, great stuff, and I want I want I I sat there and I watched like at least fifteen clips. You know, and they're really short clips, but I mean, yeah. it was great, great stuff. So I definitely, I'm definitely going to get that comedy special. Um, you can, it's available as a download and a physical DVD, right? Yeah. Download, stream, uh, DVD, Blu-ray. I got, I got it all. Yeah. It's all on uh, philjohnsoncomedy.com. Uh, I'm working on further distribution for it now, but uh, I, for right now it's a, a just available on my website. But, yeah, you can stream it and all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. And you mentioned in our initial email contact, you mentioned that you recently recorded a Prince cover, and I was looking on your website for the Prince cover, and I couldn't find it. Could you uh, direct, oh, yeah. us, direct us sure. to where that is? Yeah, so uh, it, I did a cover of uh, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man, and, and the reason I don't have it on my website is because uh, I, I have so many singles and things that I put out. I put out new music every six weeks, 
and I've been doing that for quite a while. And so there's lots and lots of music, and I uh, it's all available on Apple Music, Spotify, all the streaming places. If you just uh, look my my name up on there, uh, and so but I sort of uh, filter them in and out from the store itself on uh, on my website. Uh, okay. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I actually it was a uh, I recorded that cover in 2004, I want to say. And uh, I was sitting in my my old rehearsal studio downtown that I used to have and uh, just uh, playing with my my multi-track recorder and doing stuff. And I was like, you know, I, I love that song. And it goes right back to Sign of the Times, which is sort of my Genesis album in this whole thing. And uh, I, I love that song. But it's I always wanted to hear like a down tempo version that reflected the very sad lyrics of that song. And right. I never heard Prince do a down-tempo version of it. And I thought, well, let me give it a whack, you know? And uh, it comes out sounding, obviously, way whiter uh, than, than the original. <laughs> and uh, and it's a much more sort of an Americana, you know, version of it. It's all acoustic instruments and piano and acoustic guitars and things like that. Uh, and then so I recorded that, and I had put it out on an EP way back when. And I had put it out online uh, for a while, but I hadn't done the licensing correctly. And so I pulled it down from from the streaming services because I had I'd screwed up the licensing because it was a pain back then. Now it's much much easier to do that. So I got the licensing correct and I re-released it uh, just a couple months ago. But um, yeah, it's a it's a fun version. It's a it's now you know 15 years old or whatever it is. But uh, it's a it's a fun version. I listen to it and kind of cringe at my vocals a little bit, but um, I think uh, I think overall it's a pretty good pretty fun version of it. Or a pretty sad version of it, actually, because that was my that was my point with it. And I don't put out, uh, I don't do covers a lot, and I don't do serious songs a lot. So that was sort of a double whammy of uh, doing something different for me. Very very cool, and I'll I'll include the link to that as well on to the Spotify link. I'll include the link on the great on the YouTube description box, and when I when I post the uh, the iTunes and Blog Talk Radio link, I'll include it in that as well and uh i don't know if you know this but uh around 2012 2013 um prince put together a it was him and a trio of women and they they did a they formed a rock group called third eye girl oh yeah yeah and they've actually he actually did rework i could never take the place of your man into a oh really into a slow jam Oh, how did I never hear that? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, if you never heard that, we got to correct that situation ASAP. Was it on one of the one of the official albums or was it somewhere else? It was um basically through the through the Third Eye Girl YouTube channel. But oh, um okay. Yeah, I can I can I can hook you up with that. So, if you're interested okay, in right. that, yeah, definitely it's it. it's a it's a very more like you say, down tempo, very much rock, uh-huh, rock okay. based um, interpretation of the song, and nice. it's just and that sounds like it'll be way different from what I did with it too. Yeah, it's it's absolutely awesome. So, yeah, you definitely need to hear that. Great. Um, oh yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful because I always liked that he would play with his songs like that and and change you know do different versions of them, do a piano version of it, you know whatever, uh, and even reference you know he, he would self-reference one song and another song i that it's that kind of world building that marvel comics does now you know where if you're you know where you're watching one movie going oh that's an easter egg that points back to this other thing and you can do the same thing with print songs where you're like 
oh, that Lin drum sound right there is this. That's the same pattern he was using on back over on this song over here, you know, and uh, or that that phased snare drum hit or whatever it is, you know. And uh, I like that he has that level of world building. I think it's every artist sort of aspires to that, to be able to uh, be that self-referential uh, and and have people get it. <laughs> and I, right. I've done it a few times, and everybody misses it, you know. So not everybody gets to do that. But, uh, yeah, I've always really, really liked that he was able to play with his own catalog in different ways like that. I've always thought that was cool. Right. I like how you put that uh, a world building, and it's sort of like the – you know, we have the MCU and there's also yeah. the, you know, the, you could say the same thing like a a purple expanded universe or a prince <laughs> expanded universe. Um, so, yeah, I like that idea a lot. And, um, yeah, before, before I let you go, I just wanted to let you know that um, I'm sure you know that a new, a new album is dropping on the 30th, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, I was just listening to uh, Hot Summer this morning. Yep. Okay. Yep. And the uh, the official podcast, the first episode, they're doing four episodes of the official podcast on the on the new album, and the first episode dropped today. So, oh, um, I wanted to let you and everybody else know that that the first episode dropped today, and it's very very cool. You've got um, the radio personality, the local. Minnesota radio personality Andrea Swenson who did such a good job on all the other official podcasts for the 1999 and Sound of the Times box sets um, she's doing this one as well and the first episode is co-hosted by Shelby Johnson who's also a good acquaintance of mine and was a backup singer for Prince from 2006 to 2015 um, and features heavily on the new album, so she's co-hosting the podcast. So that's up and available on Spotify through the official Prince um, account there. So um, be I just wanted to let everybody know about that before before we let you go. But um, I'm so behind on all of my podcast listening because I, I listen to podcasts when I drive. <laughs> yeah. When I'm driving on tour. And yep. uh, I haven't, haven't been doing that for a year and a half, and I've completely fallen off every bit of my podcast listening. Yeah, <laughs> but it's out now, and it, it's great. It's just great to hear um, collaborators and people that worked on the album share their memories. And the thing that stuck out mostly to me is the Prince was the type of personality that really – believed in the people that he worked with and trusted their musical instincts. So he would literally get people in the studio and he'd be like, okay, we're going to play this chord, this chord, this chord. And I'll point to you when the, you know, for the chord changes. And he's like, okay, roll tape. We're recording. So that's basically what it's like and hearing stories like that. It's just so fascinating to me how, focused and how driven and how trusting he was of the talent around him to carry out his vision for his art and yeah. just fascinating stuff but great great episode so that's out today so Super. um but thank you very much phil for joining me thank you chris and we'll definitely keep in touch outside of the podcast and and uh 
I've I've definitely got all the access to all the bootlegs and all the stuff because I'm a <laughs> I'm a hard hardcore fan and I'm kind of a I'm kind of a young pop when it comes to old school Prince fans because I'm 41 so I was born in <laughs> I was born in 1980 but it's funny that you mentioned earlier when we first started that you were you know you were an 11 year old in 84 and yeah. and didn't quite didn't quite get Prince because you were too young to get it. Um, I actually got into Prince when I was three years old in 83 oh <laughs> and I've been listening to him ever since. So it's funny. It's funny how things like that work. taste for a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how things, how different things are for different people, but sure. Um, I obviously respect your, your journey with Prince and I, I respect your talent and your dedication to your, two crafts of music and comedy. You're a very, very talented, talented guy. And I've Thank you. nothing but respect for you. So yeah, we definitely got to, got to keep this connection going and we'll, for we'll sure. connect outside the podcast and just, uh, you know, talk and bullshit about music and life <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yep. Absolutely, um, man. Yeah. And like I say, it's always, it's always good to meet another Johnson and in some respect, I consider us all family, you know, cause Shelby J, you know, the, the backup singer for Prince that I referenced uh-huh. earlier, her name is Shelby Johnson. So she's a Johnson too. And she told one. me, she told me that um, Prince knew when he was still with us, he knew who I was. Oh really? And, and he, um, Shelby, um, uh, told me that the the couple times that my name came up in conversation she would say to prince oh yeah he's a he's a johnson so obviously he's family so and <laughs> that's great you know that's the way it should be that's the attitude you should have but for sure yes um yeah but thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing your story with us and your your passion for music and comedy and your your history as a Prince fan. Thank you very much. It was very, very enlightening and very uplifting, which is what I try and do with this podcast. You know, I, I tried to do my own small part to sort of, you know, connect us all within the fan community and let us know that we're, we're all not as different as we think we are. We're all, we're all connected. We're all part of a very important uh, community and a soul family so for sure um, for sure it's an honor to be on chris i appreciate it well thank you so much and like i say i'll have all those links for people on youtube and also blog talk radio and uh, until next time um, for myself and phil i'd just like to say thank you all for watching and listening and until next time This is Chris Johnson. I'm out.